Welcome to Nine Points Started with a Dream podcast. Our goal is to showcase the stories of athletes and the community that supports them by being authentic about their journey. Here's your host, Jacoby Gillum. Yo, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jacoby Gillum. You know, the best part about being an athlete sometimes is how we can use our platform to help amplify voices that are often marginalized. And today's guest, Lauren Shad, pro volleyball player, artist, creator, philanthropist, right? She's she's using her platform. She, she found her why, right? And she's using that why to help raise awareness for organizations that she's really proud to support, that she's really passionate about. And something that we can all, you know, gain value from this episode, right? It's like, how do we find our why? And how do we use that to, no matter how it looks in our world, to amplify someone's voice that may not get heard? And so, so props to Lauren on this and great episode here, great journey, a lot of value, and let's get to it. All right, Lauren, the question that everyone that comes on is, when you're younger as an athlete, what was like your biggest goal you wanted to achieve? Oh, um, it sounds, I mean, you know, when you're younger, you kind of like build your goals as you go. So like when I was younger, I'd say, you know, I started sports ever since I was like a little kid, since I can remember like gymnastics, soccer, like all of these sports. But in my head, like making a team in like middle school or like even high school, like making the varsity team in high school seemed like the biggest thing for me in my life. And I was like, oh, if I could make varsity before my senior year, you know, as an underclassman, I thought that would be the most substantial, like best thing in the entire world. And so, um, you know, when I got to middle school, I was like, yeah, if I could, if I could make like roll with the big dogs and make the varsity team as like a freshman or sophomore, like that would be the ultimate goal. Cause like really in my head, um, that I had just started playing volleyball. I was in track and field, kind of like you, I was in track and field. I was in basketball. I kind of did a bit of it, but I started volleyball in eighth grade. And so my goal was to like make the high school team. And that was the biggest goal I had at the time, because I never really pictured playing pro or going to university for sports. I just did it for the fun of it, you know? And so uh, my biggest goal, I mean, it seems small, but for little Lauren, I was like, this is huge if I make varsity, you know? So I think that was probably my biggest goal um, was making the varsity team or even making the high school team um, freshman year. Cause it was, I think 60, 70, 80 girls going out. And I think, you know, on the freshman team, maybe like 26 28 made it so that was my biggest goal at the time (laughs) and uh yeah you know they grow as you go and as you like mature and refocus your desires and goals so yeah that was my biggest goal at the time so letterman jacket you know have like four-year letterman you know on it yes exactly i was like oh look at all these cool people with their letterman jackets like ah that has to be me i need the pins i need all the pins like it was so i wanted to wear it around i wanted to get it i was like i need that letter i need it i need it (laughs) you grew up in south dakota right i did yep grew up in south dakota so so how did that kind of shape your view on sport you know going to south dakota you know and how things were there yeah So I think, you know, when people hear South Dakota, it's like, oh, you're the first person I've met from South Dakota. (laughs) Like, what do you do there? Like ranching or cowboys. So I think um, growing up in South Dakota, it was very normal, just like everybody else, you know, like the sports world and the sports culture. But I did notice that basketball was really at the forefront of the sports that they had and the sports that they highlighted, particularly 
men's <laughs> basketball, but it was like, I think to be like in that athletic group and to be seen as an athlete, like at some point you had to play basketball, like everyone knew you were basketball focused. Um, so that's what I kind of grew up playing and that's what I immediately went from I think in third grade from YMCA like teeter-tot kids you know all the way until high school but then it just kind of switched to volleyball but I think because we had such a small community I'd say like our games were the most fun you know you had all the student bodies showing up and like there was always themes for every game you know like they had everything like blizzard white out and then everyone would be dressed like in like clothing that's freezing out, you know, like they would really get into it. So that was something I really loved because I went to one of the biggest schools in South Dakota. I was in one of two of the biggest schools. So we had a student population of like 2,000, 2,500 people. So every single game, the stands were just packed and it was like a really close community that like made you, I think, appreciate the sport and love it in a different way. You weren't just doing it for yourself, but it was this big theatrical show, you know, and it was, it was fun. It was, it made it fun and it made playing in front of the crowd really fun because it always ramped you up. So I think we were really fortunate to live in a smaller community, to have that type of support from our crowd and to get everyone behind us to follow our journey as an athlete. And it was really, really cool. Do you still ball today? Do you still have, got, some, got some game in you? I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes I like joke around. I'm like, ah, I still got it. We still got it. But I'd say my technique is is pretty weak. I um, I, I don't know how many years it was before COVID. So like maybe like three, four years ago, I think the summer right before COVID. So with the Nike team, they're like, hey, Lauren, how do you feel about going to the Spokane Hoop Fest? Which like there's like WNBA all-star like basketball players there. And I was like, am I coming out of retirement from like 11th grade? Like, I don't know. They're like, we just need height. Like, you know, it's three on three. I'm like, yeah, but three on three, like that's really like an intimate group of people. <laughs> and um, I hopped in and it wasn't so bad. I was a bit rusty in the beginning, but uh, we got it back pretty quickly. So Mac. still got it in me. <laughs> I, I watched your highlights for, for an interview and I was like, okay, she, she has some game in it. Cause like, yeah, like that one foot takeoff and the, the spike. Yeah. I was, I was like, mm-hmm. Ball probably she can probably got them, got them. I got them layups. Those like uh, those yeah. hook shots. <laughs> Lay you know, a little. To be fair, that actually like I think being the multi-sport athlete in high school from like for three years I played I did track and field I did basketball and volleyball so every season I had a sport and I did high jump and basketball and that like completely changed my game with like you said the one foot like approach because all the motions were the same they were just used in a different sport so I think it really kind of helped me progress faster in that specialty as a middle because I mean I was doing it all the time <laughs> so no it was very beneficial I think yeah sweet so if we one day I'll play you I'll probably, probably lose I'm not that great I got no game at all I, I can run fast <laughs> I got no shot I feel, I feel like Sean Marion you ever watch like he just, I just I like push shots just like it's the double yeah I just <laughs> Just throw it up and hopefully that it goes in. But Man, if you can outrun me, that's the biggest step. You know, you just got to get down the court and you get a few attempts before like, I get there. <laughs> full court layups only. I guess I'll, that's all I got. Full court layups. So I need, I need a running start. I need a running start. Exactly. So yeah, this dream, you know, me and Letterman. And so when we got to high school, how was how that freshman, freshman tryout? 
Um, the thing is, I think I blacked out. I don't remember any of it. Like there's nothing particular that I remember about this tryout, except that I was like, there's so many people here, but I was one of the tallest. So I was like, okay, I got that going for me. Um, but I ended up making the freshman team. So it wasn't varsity, but I was just like, okay, we made a team. We made a team. Like that's all that matters. Um, but it was good. I mean, I, that was actually fun fact. Uh, my freshman year is the only year out of my entire volleyball career that I've won like a championship because we won the freshman, like age group championship for the freshmen in all the state. And we were like, yeah, yeah. So I did get a championship at some point. Um, yeah. And then, you know, I just kind of used that as a springboard to go into my next season, which is when I ended up making varsity. So we, go. we got there. We got there. Got that patch. <laughs> yeah, we got that. Slap it on. Slap it on. <laughs> so at what point did it become, I guess, more serious? Right. And then you kind of thought, like, I want to take this volleyball game maybe to college or just to just the next level. Yeah. So what was interesting is so like I said, I was kind of playing all these three sports up until my junior year. And I that was when I realized like people are getting recruited for college and this could potentially be a way for me to get free education at the next level. And that was huge. Cause I mean, education is so expensive. At, um, a lot of out of state schools, cause both my sisters went out of state. So they were in Northern California. So I knew that I wanted to be in California, but to do that, I would have to receive a scholarship because I mean, my grades were good. You know, I was, um, I think, <laughs> summa cum laude or something you know I had like above I had a good GPA but I didn't really have like but it wasn't but you know like it's so competitive with the academics that you have to go above and beyond like do extracurricular like internships but I never had time for that because of my sports so I had to be substantial at one of them so I was like kind of on the fence about which sport I actually wanted to play I really 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 wanted to do high jump in college like that was my goal and by, I think, sophomore, junior year, I had received a couple offers from um, like Cornell and like East Coast schools. But once again, they weren't like division one top teams that like could pay for a scholarship. I would just get an educational scholarship, which was also amazing, but it wasn't the full ride that I was looking for. And then there just ended up being like a national tournament or like a big tournament coming in Denver my junior year for volleyball and I was in the middle of basketball season I was in club volleyball and I asked my basketball coach if I could I asked my team if I could leave to go to this tournament because a lot of college coaches were going to be there and I was like I said on the fence and my teammates were like yeah yeah the team we're about to play is like we beat them 101 out of 100 times you know and so I was like all right and then I asked my coach and he was like no that's unacceptable turn in your jersey so I actually got kicked off the basketball team for trying to go yeah I got kicked off the it was a whole drama I got kicked off the basketball team my junior year on varsity um and I was like okay the choice is kind of made for me I gotta kill it at this like (laughs) I risked a lot to be here so I went to um the Colorado Crossroads tournament uh, my junior year and that actually was like one that qualified us for nationals and um everything kind of worked out perfectly where it kind of fell into place and like you said that's where my gears started turning like okay maybe this is where I can get my scholarship and we uh it's a long story but uh we eventually got to nationals on someone like backing out because they didn't want to go 
and we were like the last place team. And that's essentially where my University of San Diego assistant coach recruited me. So it was like kind of a chain effect of like, I got kicked off the basketball team. So I was like, all right, I'll focus on volleyball. And then we made it into the national tournament. And then that's where I was seen for, uh, for college. And I was like, all right, let's go. Like it's <laughs> volleyball. It is we're going like, and I already knew I loved volleyball. I love the sport. And I was just, I think naturally better at it than I was at basketball. Like I was really trying to force basketball. <laughs> that dude, he cuts you off the team for wanting to chase your dreams. Yeah. And I mean, that was, it was really messy because it was, I remember it came out in the newspaper and I was underage. I was 16 at the time. So you're not supposed to like say the minor's name in the newspaper. And I was actively being recruited by colleges. And this newspaper article came out from the coach that mentioned name dropped me completely as a minor and said like Lauren was dismissed from the team because of like some type of situation. So it almost sounded like I had been doing like, you know, like I had been doing drugs or something the way the article came out. And my mom, I remember stormed into the gym and like squared up to my head coach in basketball and was like pointing fingers. And she was like, this is my daughter. She's a minor. And she was going off. But it, I mean, it was true. I think it was, you know, it could have really hurt my chances. And it was all because really, I just was a multi-sport athlete and I just wanted to go to a tournament, but I also made sure it was okay with my team, but he ultimately decided like it was too late in the season to be doing that. And it was so messy. I remember it. And I was just like, okay, first I was like, I'm not joining the basketball team next year. There was too much, like, you know, too much tension between us after that. So I was like, all right, volleyball, it is. We really got to push for volleyball, mom. (laughs) Wow. That's a wild that's a wild thing yeah. I'm not sure other athletes that kind of go through that too though you know like you know if you have a volleyball game volleyball club game that's in Florida and you got to miss a tournament or basketball tournament or track and field and football and type of stuff so wow that's yeah that sucks well it worked yeah. out for you right I know that's what I'm saying everything fell into place but I think now it's a lot more accepted like it's almost seen as a plus if someone's a multi-sport athlete like you would think you know, staying active, like you're doing basketball season and then you're going to another practice that night, like two, three times a week. Like I understand the fatigue of it, but I think as athletes, we're smart enough to know the difference of like, okay, when we need to cool it down, what's our priority when we're in season. But I would think as a coach, it would be really beneficial for your players to be in other sports and to be involved in them. But it was just a little... I guess not the case <laughs> for me, <laughs> but like you said, it worked out. Everything fell into place and now we're here. So <laughs> started from the bottom. Now we're here, right? And now we're here and now we're here. <laughs> <laughs> so what was that feeling like when, you know, you did the tournament, you know, your club team made it national and this coach from what, UC San Diego, San Diego, right? San Diego, correct? Yeah, the University of San Diego. So USD, yeah. USD came to you and like, Lauren, I want you on my team. What what was that emotion like to go from, you know, that dream to like, okay, we're making this next step here? Yeah, I think it was really surreal, but I will say I had to be a bit patient. So it wasn't directly like, do you want to come here? Um, That's also another funny story, which I mean, this is going to be like promoting yourself as an athlete. But so he, I guess was like coming out of the bathroom or something because we were in the back court, like by the bathrooms. And he just happened to see me warming up and was like, oh, and he was like, I heard your hit like before anything. And 
he watched me warm up and he was like, Hey, he contacted my head coach on the club team and was like, can she come in next week for a USD volleyball camp? Like I'm in South Dakota. Like we didn't, I mean, I grew up comfortable, but like, it's expensive to like fly to San Diego the next week from South Dakota. Like we're in a regional airport. So I was like, okay, mom, like my mom was like, we have to do it. This is your chance. This is the only D one West coast team that has looked at you. And that's like your goal. So I went to the camp and I remember after the camp, I did really well. I remember being like a very small fish in a big, big ocean. Um, I, but I know I did well. I felt really good with how I like played. I was always on the top court. And after that, I remember a couple of weeks went by and it was now in like November of my senior year and I hadn't signed, which is pretty late. And I remember him being like, so we think you're really great, but we need to see more film of you during club and during the season. And I was just like, this could take so much time. Like I had received um, at that time offers from, I did a, an official visit at the uh, University of Texas, El Paso, no, El Paso, um, UTPA, not El Paso, but UTPA, which was like a lower division one school in Texas. And then I also got looked at Bozeman in uh, Montana State. So I had other offers, but they were just not where I wanted to go. And eventually I went to Montana. I really loved it. My setter from club was going there and the guy was like, all right, you need to make a decision by Friday. And it was Tuesday, but I wanted San Diego so bad that I messaged the head coach of San Diego or the assistant coach I'd been talking to. I was like, listen, I love your program. I loved everything when I went there. However, I have this full ride and I can't be passing that up. Like I, I, I'm going to take a chance on myself and you guys are my first choice, but if you can't offer me the full ride, I'm going to take another offer and I need to know by Friday because I had to give them like I gave them an ultimatum essentially <laughs> and um, it happened to be like I said everything fell into place because that's when my assistant coach was like okay send in your transcripts send in more video whatever you have and he said um, we actually had an open spot like we have an open scholarship for your year it's for your position we are just going to use it we hadn't filled it by this time we are going to use it for like equipment but we do have an open scholarship Thursday comes and he was like all right you got it if you want it you got it you got the scholarship so I was like ultimatum sometimes work <laughs> sometimes you just have to you know because I I really believed in myself I had a lot of confidence at that time so I was like it's okay to put a little bit of pressure on the coaches, especially when it's like, as an athlete, you can't miss up those other opportunities. Like if I didn't sign to San Diego, I wasn't going to pass up a full ride somewhere else, you know? So uh, I think it's okay to put a little bit of pressure on them if you need. And uh, once again, and now we're here. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. It's almost like, so far your your journey is like, now we're here, you know? Yeah. And now we're here. Yeah, I think that's cool though, hearing that because I think sometimes, you know, like, I know for me, I was scared to kind of have the conversation because I was like, I don't really know how to do it, right? You don't even know how yeah. to, what, 16, 17, you don't know how to like talk and build about, hey, I want you to give me, you know, a four-year scholarship for, you know, that's like 30 grand each year that you're like, yeah. uh, like, what do I do? You're like, hey. <laughs> can you use the video? Can you make a choice now? <laughs> give me that. Can you give me that give me that NIL? You know, can you help me out? Yeah. yeah. Hey, my dude, can you can <laughs> help you me, help can you help you. me out? <laughs> help me out, Lord. Wait, help me help you. <laughs> help me help you. 
when he helped you and gave you that that offer where you're like all right I'm done Signed in, signed like same day yep. same, same minute yep mm-hmm. I remember once again my mom was very involved which I love that because I was in volleyball practice because uh, it's November and she came into the gym and she was crying and I was just like oh my gosh like who died like did what is are the dogs okay like mom and she's like she's like tearing up and she's just bawling and I'm like mom like what is wrong what happened and my teammates are here everyone's here and my mom's like you got offered the scholarship from San Diego and I was like oh my, I thought someone died you know like a lot of emotions but immediately when she said that it was like no doubt in my head I was like all right give me the contract give me the paperwork I'm ready to sign it like I'm ready I'm ready and I think uh yeah they sent it over that day and I think I signed it well we did like a a signing day kind of so I signed I think probably in December after the season but um yeah I had to have a really not so pleasant phone call with the head coach of Montana the next day. Cause he's like, he, I remember he answered, he was like, Lauren, I hope you have some good news for me. Cause we just lost against our rivals. And I was like, I'm not coming to Montana. Like, sorry. <laughs> yeah. But no, it was, I was, as soon as they offered, I was like, there's no doubt about it. You know, me, all my sisters went West coast. So I was like, kind of keeping that it was really cool because if I wanted to just go fly up to San Francisco I could see them Palo Alto is really cool so it was also like a nice I felt a part of my sisters because they're a bit older than me so it was nice to like be in that realm with them and be on that side and San Diego is great uh, I, I live in Phoenix so it's like it's like it's like a short flight or quick drive and you know, you so got short. La Jolla you got you got you got sea lions you got everything that you need in San Diego. Like I remember when it would rain, they'd be like, all right, guys, we can't go to class today. There's a little bit of a spring and rain for five minutes, but they're like, all right, it's like our snow day. We can't go. We will survive this weather. And I'm like, guys, it's like, it's not even raining. Like it's always 72 and sunny. It's literally like a vacation all the time. And the school I think was ranked like prettiest school in the nation for like two years. It looks like a castle. Like it's the coolest place to be. So so it all worked out. Yeah, all worked out. So now you, you're going to college. Now you're going to, you know, your ideal, your dream school, right? So what was your mindset now once you got to this campus? Was it like, I just want to get, 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 my, get my degree and have a great four years? Or was it thought that maybe there's more after college? So I think like, it's interesting, but the way I goal set, I think is very short sighted. I think like, you know, I'm very focused on what's in front of me in the near future. So even up to this time, like playing, playing professional wasn't really in my wheelhouse. Um, I wasn't starting my first year. I sat on the bench the entire year. I actually had a really terrible freshman year. And I just remember being like so excited when I got there. I was so pumped. I'm like, all right, this is like the beginning to everything. This is where my life starts. And I got there and it was really hard. Um, oh, I'm so, so sorry. Um and uh, it was like, I started and um, I didn't play. My grades were suffering. I couldn't like, there's no way for me to get out of this hole that I felt that I was in. Like you said, kind of with the mental health, it kind of snuck up on me. And I was like, why do I feel just tired all the time? Why am I lethargic? Why am I not enjoying practices? Like, everything changed. And it was really, really difficult for me to get out of that. And like I said, I was 
Um, my first semester, I got a below a 2.0. So I was on academic probation. Um, so like professional ball was just like completely out of my head. I was like, how can I survive this first year? And it got to the point that I got so stressed out. I got really sick where like I got, um, it's called the erythema nodosum, but it's when like fat cells cluster into your shins. And it's really odd. It's really odd, but like my legs were swelling. I couldn't walk. Like I, they think it started with strep, but all my tests were coming negative for mono, but I was really sick. I think I lost like 20 pounds in like a month because I couldn't eat. Like I was just this like thing floating around the campus of USD. And, um, and I remember I had to be flown to like the emergency room the day before we went to the sweet 16 in Nebraska, I got a steroid shot and they were like, all right, go. And I was practicing the next day, like nothing happened, but that took me that kind of funk that I was in with the sickness because of the stress that induced it. I think that took me like two years to get out of, like I had these bumps on my shins up until my sophomore year. And that kind of, I think clogged my view, a lot of like what was happening and how to be a better athlete, because I was just trying to survive at that point. But I started playing, I started playing my sophomore year, things kind of, I was, you know, I was going into study hall all the time, like eight, 10 hours a week. And I really like focused, I was like, all right, hyper-focus in, let's go, let's get back to why we came here. And that's kind of when things started turning around and I started playing like predominantly starting my sophomore year up until my senior year. And I remember my sophomore year, my assistant coach that recruited me was like, Lauren, I can't decide if one day you're going to be an Olympian or a taxi driver. Like, I can't tell which extreme you're at, like if you're really talented and go far or if it's like, "Eh, it's just this fleeting moment. So I thought that was funny, but um, I ended up um, trying out for the college national team my sophomore and junior year. And I actually made, there's three teams, ones that kind of go to like Asia, ones that go to Europe, and then ones that are in the States. And I ended up making the team that stayed in the States, but I still made the college national team. So I was in the pipeline for the like national team. And I think that's where I was like, oh, like maybe this can go somewhere. Like maybe a lot of my teammates had played ball in Europe after, which I had no idea there was professional ball in Europe at this time. So I was like, oh, this is where everything kind of started opening up that I was like, it's not just national team or you're done. It's like, there's other opportunities for athletes beyond, you know, the national team in the U S cause there wasn't a pro league. So that was, I think the next step, I think sophomore juniors when I was like, all right, maybe I can do this. Maybe this is something for me. And like, my level is good enough to play in Europe. I love that. So how did you kind of start guess, figuring out how to kind of manage your, your body going forward and kind of manage your mind to, to, to know like what triggered you and such yeah so it's hard because to this day I don't really know exactly what triggered me I don't really know what stress I mean I you look at it like for what it is you know moving away from your family but I was always independent I didn't have an issue with that but I think it was just like my grades were slipping I wasn't playing I went from playing every single year to never starting like literally did not see a minute on the court until they put me in like I could have redshirted but they wasted my redshirt year by putting me in in like the last game of the season during the NCAA so like I got a year of eligibility gone um and I just remember being like 
okay, it can't get worse than this. Like there's nothing that could get worse from this. And mentally I was so tired. I remember I went home. I couldn't crawl up my stairs because I was so weak from the sickness and everything that was happening. And I think there was a moment after I went home for Christmas, I was like, my mom and I kind of sat down and we're, we're like, is this benefiting me? Or is this something that I need to maybe kind of take myself, remove myself from? And I was like, no, let's give it one more semester. Like I'm going to really focus. Um, I think focusing on my studies, going into study hall really helped because I was able to more manage that time frame of like, okay, studies separate, this separate, as opposed to kind of trying to mix them together and be all over the place. And when I realized my studies started helping down a bit, I was out of season at this point. So we were just doing spring practices. So there was really no pressure to like perform or to go up against these senior like starters, these senior, senior studs. So I think my body was able to just take a breather from all of that pressure. And from, I was done with finals. I was starting new classes that were a lot better for me. Um, I think I was in physics the first semester and I was just like, I don't know anything about physics. I've never taken physics. Like, why am I in this class? Um, And so it was really, I kind of found classes that worked more to like what I liked and what I specialized in. Um, I really like English and literature and I'm a lot better at that than physics. (laughs) Um, And once I was able to kind of pick my battles and how I wanted to fight them per se, um, what classes I wanted to take, where I had more time in spring season, it was able to kind of calm down a little bit. And then after my first year, I was like, all right, I got, you know, I know the ropes. I know what to expect going into my first year, kind of what classes I can, can stay away from. And it kind of resolved itself my sophomore year. I, I think playing also started really helping because, you know, nobody wants to sit on the bench, you know, and just watch your team succeed because it's hard. You're like, Oh, I want to help. I want to be a part of it, but you are helping. You just don't see it at that time because you're so young and you're like, I have to play, you know? So I think playing, figuring out my schedule, all of that really ended up helping me in the long run. And then when I was able to do that, I was able to play my game and to be the athlete that I knew I was. But before that I was performing poorly because I was so stressed out and I was mentally not capable, capable of like doing it. So everything, once I cleared my head a bit, I started doing like more breathing exercises. I started going on walks for myself, like doing things for me. And that's kind of when things started turning around when I was able to like rebalance myself in a sense to things that I like doing and things that helped me succeed. So as we progress, right. So now you're, you gotta get like your brain thinking, okay, there's more to, you know, than the national team that's more than just college, maybe I can go, you know, play overseas. How did you start kind of building your game, start building, you know, this next phase of your journey to get towards that? I think knowing that it was a potential for me to now play overseas, I kind of just hyper-focused on that. And I was like, okay, I'm going to use, I think towards my junior year, I kind of fell into this funk where like my motivation wasn't there as much. We were doing well, but it was kind of hard. You know, there was some pettiness between teammates. It was hard to like get past all of that unnecessary stuff. And I was like, okay, just use this as an opportunity to just play your game. Like don't focus so much. It is a team sport, but I was like, the team will be better if I focus on my game and how I need to better myself. So I went into video sessions, you know, I kind of did everything that I could 
extra serving practices. I went in, uh, I really used the time I had with who, in my opinion, is one of my favorite coaches, Brent Hilliard. He was an Olympian. He is phenomenal. He's the head coach at San Diego State University for the women's volleyball program now. But he was the one who recruited me and he really put so much time into me. So I really utilized my time with him because he was so knowledgeable and he was a middle blocker. So he knew my position and he kind of really prepared me for that next step because he also played overseas. So I would go into his office and kind of pick his brain a little bit about what that would look like and how I would need to get there. And um, by my senior year, I remember I had a couple agents, but an agent um, reach out to me. Um, I don't, I think it was, I don't remember the rules, but it was either before or after, right before we finished. I think it was after because they can't speak to you until you're finished with your senior year. Um, but right when I finished, he was like, I had an agent in my direct messages and was like, hey, have you thought about playing overseas? I'd really love to represent you. And that was Ryan J. Owens with Elite Volley, the current, I've been with them for five years now, five years. Um, and uh, so he really was like, this is what you need to do. He really spelled it out very easily. Like, this is what I need from you. This is what we will do. This is how the process will go. And these are the teams, you know, are there places you're looking at and we'll see what we can get. And uh, it all kind of kicked off from there. And that's how I actually ended up in France in the end. So um, it was really just a combination of all those kind of mentors in my life, helping me and like guiding me along the way to get there. Ryan, the man, I had, I had Ryan on like a while back on the podcast. So yeah, uh, it was awesome. he, we had like two hour, like two hour conversation. It was a long yeah. <laughs> really, but he's so knowledgeable. He knows so much. He's been the player. He's been the agent. Like he's literally all over the place. He does so much. So um, no, he's a very good resource to have, not as just an agent, but just as a mentor and person to know. And um, so I was very lucky to be able to sign with him when he was a little bit, it, he wasn't just starting his agency, but we had a smaller roster and now he has like a bunch of agents on and I'm like, this is crazy. Like to see how, uh, where we started and where he's at now. So I know that you're an elite ball athlete now. So that's dope. That's dope. Yeah. <laughs> Connections. <laughs> Small world. No yeah. So, so now, you know, you got your first, your first job was in France. Yeah. So looking back, I would ask a question right here. So like, if you look back to the girl in South Dakota, right. To now about to hop on a, on a plane and go to France. Well, <laughs> what, what do you think about that? I was just like, what? Like, I think I'd only been to Europe one other time and it was the year before uh, my junior year. And I remember being like, oh, Europe is crazy. Like, who knew it was like this? Like, it's a different world. And um, the thing is, I always wanted to play in France. Like, I took French in high school because I love the language. I took it in college. And I just remember being in high school like, ah, oh, French is, like, so cool. Like, it's such a beautiful language. It sounds so fun. Um, it was very hard. It wasn't fun. I mean, I'm still struggling. With it. <laughs> but um, I don't know. Looking back, I'd say, like, I mean, I don't think anyone, even myself, could have ever guessed that like volleyball would have taken me here. You know what I mean? Like, it's crazy looking back. I've been here five years now. I have like an entire life here. I'm probably like Kathleen settling in Europe. Like I'm probably not going back home for a while in the foreseeable future. And that's just, that's maddening to think about because that's just something that my little brain at that age could not have 
ever dreamt up or even processed. So it's a bit surreal. And uh, it, it also makes me take a step back and like be proud of myself. Cause I think as athletes, we don't do that enough. You know, like we just look at our next goal and our next goal, we achieve it. We look at our next goal. We don't ever really take a time to reflect on the things that we've done and to really appreciate the work that we have put in to get to this point. So um, I'd say she'd give her Lauren a little applause for that. <laughs> well, a good thumbs up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think just hearing your stuff on your journey is you were bold about your dreams and that your goal. And I think that's something anyone listening to can really take from. Now you had those conversations that were tough. You made those choices that said, you know what, this is what I want to do. This is my dream. I got to take this shot. So I think that's very commendable of you to, you know, especially like, you know, the young age to be like, you know, I got to, I got to shoot this shot. You know? Thank you. I appreciate that. Cause really at the time, and like I said, it's just, it was one of those things when I was younger I was like all right one goal at a time not like oh I'm going to be a pro athlete I was like all right let's make varsity all right let's go to D1 on the west coast you know it's like small obtainable goals in that time frame and I kind of just let it lead me and uh, <laughs> and we ended up in France so and you almost kind of manifest a little bit because you had the French classes early on you kind of manifest this whole this whole thing you know big on manifestations yeah <laughs> I, and I do say that a lot too I'm like I'll like say something and you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to manifest it into the universe. Get out there. Get out there. It's working for you for sure. So you are, you know, more than just, you know, volleyball, right? You know, you're more than just the sport. You're involved in, you know, other things as well. And, you know, getting getting at your community. So you are so indigenous, right? So, so are you part of like, I think it's Red Ribbon Skirt Society? Yep. So how did that kind of come about? Yeah, so, um, you know, I think growing up Indigenous and it was something, I mean, growing up, my mother and my father always like really said, like, be proud of who you are, you know, own your identity, own who you are and where you come from. And they always instilled these um, these values in us to like remain humble wherever we go forward and to respect our elders and our mentors. And there was a lot of teachings that they taught us growing up. Um, and it was really hard for me the for I think even through college, it was really hard because I didn't see people that like identified with my story and like where I came from in the space that I was at. And I think that was really hard because it made me want to kind of push that away from me a bit. But when I got, um, I'd say maybe my senior year, I was like, no, I am indigenous. Like I want to be proud of who I am. I, I, the community that has backed me this whole time is the reason that I am where I am. And so we got to France and um, it was going into, I think my second year. So I was in Chamelier with Kathleen Gates, my first year, she was my setter. And then I got signed to Volleyball Nantes for the following year, which is uh, like six hours away from where I was. And I remember I would go back home when I could, but I could only really go home in the summer. And me and my mom, especially my mom, she's very involved with the indigenous community back in my hometown in Rapid City. And everything that we were doing, we were hosting volleyball camps. It's kind of a long story getting to Red Redbird and Skirt Society, but it's all a part of it. Um, sorry. This is your show. And, so, uh, um, and uh, we did free camps on reservations and with different indigenous communities throughout South Dakota and the community that my family came from, Eagle Butte, um, just three hours away from Rapid City, South Dakota, on the Shine River Reservation. 
And then we started kind of branching out to different areas like North Dakota. We got asked to do one in Montana. We didn't get there yet. I did an online one in New York. I went to Canada and did like volleyball camps essentially just because I wanted to give back opportunities of getting experienced coaches in to teach these kids to help them move forward in building their own career because I feel like I didn't have that growing up and it was also nice you know to see someone that looks like you like that went through it that's that's done it that's done all of it and that can like kind of mentor you through that so I had good mentors specifically with my mom and my sister. So I knew giving back to my community while I was going through this process. And I think I didn't mention this, but reflecting now, this was also a big thing that pulled me out of this, this funk that I was in, in college, because my sister proposed, I do these free camps, like I think my sophomore, junior year. And then it kind of repurposed the reason I was doing what I was doing. It wasn't just about me anymore. It was about the community and the people I wanted to represent and also give opportunities to. So my mom and I were really big on that and my sisters were involved and going into it, my mom, then I remember seeing uh, Rosalie Fish. She is an indigenous track runner, like a long distance runner and got huge media news where she wore a red handprint across her face during her high school track meet. And it got mass media coverage. Like it was everywhere. And that was alongside uh, Jordan Marie Daniel, brings three white horses, Daniel. She ran the Boston Marathon and she had the red handprint across her face. And I was like, wow, like these are indigenous athletes getting a lot of momentum. And when I looked into their story, they were representing um, missing murdered indigenous women, which is a, um, which is what the Red Ribbon Skirt Society, bringing it back, what the Red Ribbon Skirt Society represents and what they help to combat against with this epidemic of missing murdered indigenous women and my mom and I had done a couple we Lily Mendoza is the founder of Red Ribbon Ribbon Skirt Society in my hometown and we had talked with her a bit and we were like oh what can we do overseas to kind of bring international attention to this and I was like oh well you know we could use like the platform that like Rosalie and Jordan did with the red handprint across their face. So we got got this idea of bringing awareness to MMIW on an international scale. And after that, we had worked closely with uh, Lily in getting out names and people's stories and who was missing. Um, We would dedicate every match that I had to a woman that or woman child to spirit that was missing and her story so that we could help bring awareness on a different scale to this epidemic. And Eventually, Lily asked me to be the first Healing the Globe ambassador for Red Ribbon Skirt Society to continue her work, like I said, on a different global international scale so that we kind of had people in all areas doing this work and bringing awareness and education to this um, to this problem. I love it. I love it. And for me, while, while I was reading your profile or whatever, and I was reading about this, I was like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, like, you know, Oklahoma, they, you know, has a lot of, you know, indigenous people out there, Native American and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And I remember, I remember like my junior year, we did um like N7. I thought like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, okay, this all, I, I know a little bit about this stuff here. I know a little bit about, you know, about how to, you know, you, so you were, so you really, you really wanted to be an ambassador to kind of let, you know, a little Lauren that, you know, that maybe that other thing, like you can, you can do this too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And 
that also I think as my platform and like my following grew a bit um it was really easy to put it out there and get people bringing up this conversation opening the dialogue and that also helped because I actually signed I'm a Nike athlete with Nike N7 so that was something Rewind uh, that happened right before Red Ribbon Skirt Society. My first year, they kind of brought me on as an influencer where they just sent me a couple pieces of their line and then I would post about them, tell them about the work that N7 was doing. And after my first year pro, they offered me a, con- a two-year contract with them to be one of their Nike N7 athletes. And I've been with them going on my fourth year now. So having that platform with N7 who really backed kind of my vision of what I wanted to do in my community and give back also gave me that level up to be able to speak on MMIW and to be able to work with Lily in these accounts. So everything kind of like really just like leveled the next thing up in helping the community and being able to reach more people on an international scale, um, which was my goal. So everything really worked out and it was really, really perfect. And I'm really honored and humbled to be a part of those programs so you know you said earlier you kind of very like you know you want your goal here and then your goal there so what's your next goal you know with with these organizations kind of helping you know grow the community yeah so I've actually kind of taken I've decided to kind of take a bit of a rest from volleyball right now because mentally at the end of this season I was noticing and it's crazy how mental health really affects in different stages I think of your career you know everyone kind of thinks oh when you're struggling that's the only time you have it you succeed you don't have it anymore but like anything as you kind of move on up past your goals then your struggles become a bit harder and more severe and I've always struggled a bit with mental health so like I said the really thing that was keeping me going was um, there's this motivational talk of like, find your why. (laughs) And my why, yeah. And find my why was because I wanted to be able to show these, it's called the next generation, the seventh generation of upcoming indigenous people that like, oh, I can do that. She was from South Dakota. I can do that. I look like her. Like she came and talked to us. Like I, you know, I really wanted to be that mentor. But when going in my this season I realized I'm not able to go home as much as I want to I'm not able to I mean with COVID doing the camps has been really hard so we haven't done them for about two years I wasn't able to go back to my home community I really wasn't able to get that sense of community that I really wanted and I realized it's because this sport as much as I love it started kind of just becoming more of a job for me and I'm able to affect my community, I believe, in a positive way without playing right now. And so I made the mental choice to take a step back from volleyball right now for the season. Maybe I sign a half season. I don't know what's going to happen so that I can really kind of refocus and repurpose that goal of mine. And I really want to start the camps up going again. I actually was in contact last summer with a college coach to have him come in. He said, you know, I've seen what you're doing and I really want to be involved because he actually like went to college and studied like being a coach and like going in and being a sports coach at an, like at a university level. So hopefully this coming summer, we're able to now bring those camps back, but also level them up by bringing in more renowned coaches that are at universities. You know, it's not just me coaching. It's 
actual coaches at university so that when you bring in university coaches, then you actually get exposure for those kids. So I think the next goal for that would be to, because I do want to coach. I still want to be involved in the community with sports. The next goal would be to bring some of my contacts that I've gained in the last 14, 15 years of playing and actually be able to bring them in. Because now I feel like I have that type of reputation where people are like, oh, yes, she's done this, this, this we can like, I have a bit of credibility for those university coaches to come in and to have them coach and uh, give exposure. So I think that's the biggest thing is now making those indigenous communities that I have worked with and seen them progress, get scholarships, get them um, in a place in a tournament where they're able to be seen, you know, whether that be making a nonprofit or like going forward with a nonprofit and working for them and going out in the community and outsourcing in different ways and bringing communities together in tournaments or whatever that looks like. I mean, it's kind of all over the place, but the ultimate goal is to bring that exposure to the kids and not just exposure, but to bring them opportunities and offers to move forward, um, you know, to the next level, whether that be, um, collegiate like collegiate volleyball or even not just volleyball you know that could be academics collegiate academics that could be collegiate arts like music or theater whatever it may be it's just so that these kids have the same opportunities that everybody else has because there's a really big discrepancy in especially in these sports programs that we see so it's really just giving them everything that has kind of held them back in a way because they haven't had equal opportunity dope I love it. I love it. So what we're going to do then, all right? When it happened, let, when you go to the camp, whatever, let me know. And we'll do life and do life and athlete spotlight for these, for these athletes and kids. That'd um, be amazing. You know, on, the, on the website, we can do like some, you know, some, some blogs and kind of like, you know, say like who they are, what they're about, what they Unreal. Um, yeah. And then. Oh, thank you. That'd be unreal. Oh, yeah. I love this. And I think that's outsourcing. Outsourcing. This, yeah, this, is, this is all about, you know, like, like this whole platform we just started so we can help inspire other kids to achieve their dreams, right? And and yeah. you're a big component of doing that. So so props to you. So I'm big on manifesting too, right? So I'm putting out, put out in, in the universe, right? So yeah. I want to find a way to do a magazine and have you on the cover, you know, and have, you know, we can, you know, plan like 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 the red, like the red paint on the hand and do the whole thing and make it all about, you know, it, it, like, you know, what you're about in indigenous communities and kind of how we can help Grow that in sports so if you're open for it we can kind of start thinking about yeah that. no I'd really love to talk about it because like I said I think going back to it it's not just finding your why but I think as athletes we're kind of told and we have this stereotype that we're machines and we just need to do our job we just need to perform and then after that like you know I've been told like oh just shut up just play like it doesn't matter but I think the really impactful thing about athletes is that they're able to make a big impact on strangers from all over the world and strangers that, you know, are different every other game, you know, you're bringing in a new group of people every game. So if you're able to represent something bigger than the sport itself and open that dialogue to these issues that are important to you, you know, it doesn't have to be MMIW, it could be something else. Then I think that's what's at the core of being an athlete is, is being more than the athlete. And I'm thankful for the platform that it's given me, but um, with MMIW, you know, I, it's crazy looking back from how it started in the beginning 
where people would come up to me in France, like, oh, that's not happening. Like, that's, that's crazy. You know, like, it's not the statistics are too scarce for like, they're too, like, high and too unbelievable for um, indigenous women and children to be killed at that rate and to be murdered and like all the, and I was like, no, but these are the realistic statistics for us. This is our life. Like, this is what we fear. We have these targets on our back when we're born. And opening that from the beginning was a bit hard because there was a lot of denial and like, mm, but that can't be happening. Not even today. And I'm like, but it is happening <laughs> to now after four years of doing that work in France, there's a bit more credibility where I'm actually seeing more like documentaries. I'm not saying this was because of me, but you just kind of see a change. Like, you know, when one thing's going, other things happen all at the same time, I feel like. And there's a lot more documentaries about authentic indigenous storytelling from indigenous people, not, you know, someone else telling that story of who we are. It's us reclaiming our identity and um, repurposing our values and what we aim for and what we are working towards to help bring awareness to all these contemporary issues that face indigenous peoples and just people of color in general. So I think there's something really special to be had with that when athletes, and you see it a lot more where athletes are speaking out about something that matters to them. And that's when I think, you know, that's when things level up and the power of sports is like, it's mind blowing how much you can change and how much you can influence and do. Mic drop. (laughs) (laughs) Metaphysical mic drop. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So if you have a question for you, I'll let you go. I know you know, it's like what, 4 PM there, your time. So, so if an athlete right now is like thinking about, they're hearing your story like, ah, I love how she's, you know, giving back to a cause that she loves and that has really valued to her. What, what, what advice would you give them like like a first step to kind of figure out their cause and their their why? Yeah, that's a great question. And I've actually had that question before when I've done a couple panels. And I think my there's a couple pieces of advice that make one big piece of advice. And it's that to not feel pressured based on how other people are doing it. I'd say if you are curious about what kind of cause you're looking for, just like explore what are the values that you really hold close to you and that you respect and how that works. And I'm very, very like, I, I can't even think of the English word. I'm thinking of the French word right now. <laughs> um, try to find the cause that is like close to your heart, but also something that like you're proud of. And I think that ties back to a lot of like where you come from. And, you know, if you don't know, then look at the community that you came from. Are there any struggles that are happening within your community that you can maybe give back to help alleviate and to help bring awareness to? Is there something that you're very, you know, politically something that you like really want to go for, you know, whether it's like um, food scarcity and like world hunger and stuff like this, find and explore your values. And that I think your causes will naturally come. And then on top of that to really, there's two other pieces of this. I'd say, once you figure out that cause, start looking at other advocates and other people to kind of find inspiration on how you're going to work your niche and how it can make it personable for you. For instance, for me, you know, I saw two athletes speaking about MMIW and I was like, oh, I can make this work for me because I'm an athlete and I'm on an international scale. I can't go to marches, but I can, you know, wear wrist strap with the name and use social media. And so I'd say, 
first find your cause, follow people that speak up about that cause. And then the third and last thing would be to not compare yourself to those advocates afterwards, because it's really easy to look at them and be like, oh, but they're doing so much more than me. You know, they have so many more resources. But when it comes to making change, like there isn't a competition of who's doing more and who's doing less. It's just about the intent of what you're doing. And I think that's just how my mom always said um, in our indigenous culture too, whatever we're doing, we have to make sure the intention is good. So if we're making food for people, we don't want to make food when we're in a bad mood because it's like we want to put good energy into our food. If we're speaking up about something, we want to put intent behind it. There has to have intention behind what you're doing. So um, no act of, I think, advocacy is ever too small. You know, it starts with baby steps and then you take bigger steps and then you're running and then it kind of kicks off. So take your time, don't put pressure on yourself and just find something that you love and works for you and you're passionate about and it comes easy. Second mic. <laughs> dropping bombs, dropping bombs right now. And, and, and your mom sounds like, like, like she's like been a big part of your journey and influencing your life. She yeah. has. Yeah. We call her like the momager of everything because like she, to this day, you know, if I have news, I'm like, got to call my mom. And, um, she hands down is the biggest support system. And, you know, I think a lot of people have that one person in their life that they remember, but really it is my mom. Like she's always been that person. That's like, no, I mean, you could do it. Like, why not? Like, just go for it. Like, yeah, go beat that record, go in state championship, go, uh, go play pro. Like, we're not going to stop you, you know? And I'm thankful that she really did everything that she could in her power growing up, her and my dad, um, to get me to where I needed to be, whether it was like monetary, whether it was recording my games. And I'm just quick shout out, very thankful for them and the support that I received um, growing up because without them, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here, you know, whether it's MMIW, fighting for what I need, sports. Love it. It's all the people behind me that got me here. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, mom. Yeah. <laughs> Hey mom. Hey mom. I know you're gonna listen to this. Love you. <laughs> love it. Love it. So two more questions for you here. So so we had this thing on the form that came up like whatever that says, you know, how would you describe your journey in a name, right? What was the name of your journey? So do you have an idea now what you call your what would you say your journey name is? Well, the thing is it's like it's hard because I'm like, oh we have so many topics we talked about. Like um I don't know. I kind of changed it because I think I said like a work in progress, mm -hmm. um, which I still believe in because I think we're constantly working to progress to the next step, no matter what that looks like. But, um, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I really like have, I think like intention is power. It's like the biggest thing. Like if you have intention behind what you do, I think there's really nothing that stops you from getting to that point. And intention is power. Yeah. I love that. Intention. Uh, so I, I see a book in the future you know Lauren Shad Intention of Power I mean I'm gonna call, I'll add you be like <laughs> what, you in. we'll sponsor it you know we'll make it. <laughs> and then then I want to show you this I want to get your thoughts on this on this graphic so we, we had our team made the graphic now I want to get your buy off on this mm. so let's see if you can get my brightness up here are you, I don't think it's, oh, uh, you can't really see it as well. Oh, wait, if it goes up a little, kind of. Let's think, yeah, if I reduce the brightness, if not, I'll just, I'll just text it to you. 
<laughs> just uh, it kind of you kind of see it oh no it looks so good that's unreal so that's you we got that's sick yeah so shout out to your family. i love it thank you no, thank no that's you. awesome that's unreal this has been dope conversation here is a last question for you so where are you at social media website we can kind of find more about your journey and what you're up to yeah so um i'd say my biggest social media is probably instagram it's just at lauren shad um actually it's easier i think any social media platform you go on whether it's tiktok whether you go on instagram twitter and facebook all of it is the same it's just lauren shad or shad lauren but usually it's lauren shad if you're looking for me and then um if you want more information on mmiw specifically the red ribbon skirt society if you look up Google anything with them. A lot of their articles come up as well as if you go on their Facebook page, Red Ribbon Skirt Society, it keeps you up to date on all the events that are happening, um, women and girls that they're doing searches for, and uh, really keeps you in the loop with all the progress that they're making as an organization. Dope. Hey, Lauren, you you the MVP. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. No, it's a, I'm really, th- and I say this, but like, it's really cool like what you're doing and giving you know voices back to the athletes because I think sometimes they get lost a little bit so giving someone the opportunity to share their story is something that's like really powerful in itself so I'm just thankful that you asked me to be a part of it and to bring me on so oh gladly we thought you want to do like heck yeah what, what, what <laughs> let's make this happen so. I know Kathleen I was like oh that's really I want to be on that podcast <laughs> I was like oh manifest get it out there get it out there and boom it so yeah so we're definitely going to make make some magazine happen too so we're going to figure this out and uh we're going to get you and in, come in, going to help spread more voices so I appreciate you enjoy the rest thank of your you. week you know, we'll be in touch thank soon you, thank you sounds good thank you bye see ya Yo, thanks for listening to this episode of the Nine Point Started With A Dream podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please comment, share, leave a review. We would love to hear your thoughts. You can find more athlete-driven content at ninepoint.com. Till the next episode, you're only one opportunity away. Peace.